Last time, I left you with a cliffhanger. We talked about cessationism and before that about contemplation and how the Holy Spirit can be moving in us. And then I ended last time saying that we would talk about what to do if you think that you're spiritually sensitive. And that's what we're going to do this week. (laughs) Hey guys, Construction Monk here. We are in the middle of a podcast series entitled Calling All Misfits, where we're talking about this new move of God, this new kind of church that God is preparing for a new group of people who are hungry for this new kind of church, right? And this week, we're going to talk about the way back. The way back to what? And what is the way? (laughs) All right. This is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Stewart. So let's get into this episode called The Way Back. All right. So you think you might have the gift of spiritual discernment. You think you might be spiritually sensitive, or maybe you're just sensitive, period, right? Um, There's an interesting thing called spiral dynamics. Um, It's a newer science. It's a a way of looking at culture over a broad spectrum, a broad uh, span of time. And it kind of has this view that, that culture and cultural consciousness goes through stages. And there's different colors for the different stages and... Um, you know, I think that's a good way to look at history in terms of understanding human consciousness and where we've been and where we're going. I'm not saying it's an exact science or it's 100% correct, but I think it's useful. And the stage of consciousness that we're at, according to Spiral Dynamics, is the stage of empathy or a more empathic stage, a more heart-centered stage, a more emotive stage. And so I think that does fit with what we're seeing in the world is that there's a lot more people a lot more concerned about social justice and the rights of individuals and groups and equality and you know being considerate of how people feel there's a lot more people going to therapy there's a lot more people embracing all of that and all that it means like to be an emotionally healthy person i think you know western civilization has been on this path of intellectualism for a long long time um and I've t- I talk about hyper-intellectualism or kind of how we've left behind our more emotive side in other podcast series, especially or including Seasons, which was the previous one. But like, it's very true. I think we've forgotten a lot about emotional health and the importance of it. And I think we're coming back to that. So I think, you know, according to Spiral Dynamics, it, it does really make sense that we're in this season, longer season maybe, in human consciousness of becoming a lot more attuned and aware of our emotive side, our emotional side, which it, which does correlate to our spiritual side. Um, in Scripture, you have the Holy Spirit being described, and this is in Hebrews, I believe. This is from memory. so But it talks about the Holy Spirit groaning with groans too deep for words or it says wordless groans as interceding for the saints you know like you know uh, Paul writes we don't often know how we ought to pray and in that instance the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words 
And so, you know, when you look at Scripture and you look at spirit, spirit is the more emotive part of us, the more emotive part of God. That's the Holy Spirit. And look at all the gifts, or sorry, fruits of the Holy Spirit. Like, they're emotive fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, like, I think we're becoming more emotively sensitive that is the same thing as becoming more spiritually sensitive. And so you have a lot of people with a, a greater degree of spiritual sensitivity, but they just think their emotions are going haywire or they're having emotional, mental problems. And like there is a link between emotion and mind, right? In all these things, we are given the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, right? And this is the premise of contemplation. The idea that we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is capable of moving from within us to guide us, okay? Like, and as I talked about in contemplation, the idea that is presented there is this theology of suffering is that as the Holy Spirit begins to move inside us, it's going to reveal things, it's going to reveal painful things, and we're going to have to follow the Spirit's leading in dealing with our inner world, which is full of many things that should not be, right? So, years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I came upon the Enneagram. And in the Enneagram, it has this idea. The idea is that our personality is formed by our child wound. Okay? And I think this is true. And this is what the Holy Spirit has done for me. So I'm just sharing... Like, I'm sharing from Scripture, but also from my experience of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit has worked, taught me to be more sensitive to the Spirit and what that's resulted in, right? What it's resulted in is the Spirit taking me through a process of dealing with my inner wounds, inner strongholds, in order to liberate me from oppression. But it's all internal. Okay, so we have this child wound out of which we formed our personality, and then from that child wound and that personality, we have these different experiences throughout life that form us. Usually negative experiences, which scripture, I believe, refers to as footholds and strongholds. Right? Another way to think of them are these lies we've believed about ourselves in the world. And so another way that scripture refers to the system of lies is the spirit of the world or the elementary principles of the kingdom of darkness like there is a system in the world that is not of god that transmits to us certain values and we've all grown up in this system to a degree like the world is caught between two kingdoms gods and satans and both have values both are transferring a certain view of the world and certain values and so we have been handed a certain to a certain degree a set of lies about the world, and that's translated into a set of lies we've adopted into ourselves, right? So that you could think of it in this way. There's a lot of false truth about the reality of the world floating around us in the, in the, from the spirit of the world and the system of Satan. At different times, we pick up specific elements of those and we adopt them into our personhood. Those are the strongholds, but they stem from the child wound, which forms our personality. What is the child wound? This is what the Spirit has shown me. The child wound is the moment we realize that while we are fitted to experience perfect love, we're not going to in this world in human culture. I was three years old when I experienced my childhood wound. 
I'll describe it to you. The Spirit, by the way, the Spirit brought this back to my memory about six years ago, and then it came back again as the Spirit was taking me through this process of healing. This is why the podcast is called The Way Back, because the way into the sin nature, into our dysfunction, into our woundedness is the way back out. The way in is the way out. So my journey with the Holy Spirit, becoming more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, has led me on this journey of coming back out of all the dysfunction and the woundedness and the strongholds that, have, that, have ex, that I've experienced, that have occurred throughout my life, back to finally my child wound. But I'll start with the child wound. I was three. I woke up in the middle of the night. We lived in Speedway, Indiana on a, a really sharp curve. And a drunk driver had missed the curve, hit the um, brick house next to us, which was actually, had been converted to a doctor's office, so no one was there, but he'd gone crashing into the house. I wake up, what I see are red flashing lights. It's dark. I'm three, I'm freaked out. I get up, I'm looking for my parents. There's strange men in my house, fire, firemen, EMT guys. I can't find my parents. I don't remember much more about that night. I talked to my mom about that a couple months ago and she doesn't remember me on that night finding me. I don't remember finding my parents. I just remember waking up scared and my parents weren't there. That was the first time I realized, even in a very limited way as a three-year-old, that the perfect love I expected from my parents was not gonna always be met. That was the child wound. Now I was baptized when I was nine. After that came strongholds, experiences which confirmed that child wound. I'm not going to always. Be, I'm not going to be loved the way I need to. Out of that child wound developed this core lie. My core lie from my core child wound was, "You don't matter." It took me a long time, a long journey, all the way back through my strongholds at different ages, which the spirit had to show me, to get to that original child wound, which instilled within me the original lie, which was, you don't matter. Nobody's going to love you. And out of that impetus as a child grew an adult, which, which had the same basic belief, though I couldn't express it, which was, no one's going to love me, so I better make sure that I work really hard to be loved. Because I'm, I don't matter. And if I make sure, I got to make sure I do matter to people so that I am loved. My whole life, my egocentric personality, my, I'm an Enneagram 4, which is about authenticity. I'm an artist. And so it was like, I got to be unique enough, creative enough, special enough to be loved because I don't matter. And because I don't matter, I'm not going to be loved. So if I want to be loved, like the problem with the child wound is like, we don't believe it, but we do. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I did not believe that I shouldn't be loved. I believed that I should, but yet I also believed that I wouldn't be. So my, my personality developed out of these two conflicting truths, out of two conflicting kingdoms. Do you understand the tension? The tension of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan plays out within each of us. And within me, it was like, I need to be loved, but I'm not. And I'm not even worthy of love, but I know that I am. And so, whoo, I had to go back through. The Holy Spirit had to lead me. And you know how the Spirit led me? emotively through unnameable fear at certain things but they were all rooted back into like I'm afraid that I'm not going to be loved but I want to be and so you know a lot of my dysfunction as an adult was because I'm, I'm already hypersensitive I have the gift of spiritual discernment so I could feel a lot I'm very empathic I could feel a lot from people so 
if I wanted to be loved but was afraid I wasn't going to be, in my empathic nature, if I felt people's negative emotions, I was like, oh, I got to manage those emotions so they're not mad at me so they love me. I tried to, I tried to manage everybody else's emotions because I was sensitive to those emotions because I was afraid of not being loved. I was afraid of being hurt. I had to protect myself and I had to try to get love. But I was set up with the idea that I wasn't going to be loved if I didn't work it out and make sure that I was lovable. And that's, that was the lie, right? So the way back is, the way in is the way out. And the last seven years, my desert journey was the spirit awakening within me, a greater sensitivity to be able to sense what the spirit is doing inside. This is what you could call exposure therapy. And then the spirit began to wake or awaken or draw out fears, fear after fear. It was seven years of fear after fear and panic attacks and disorientation mentally, emotionally, physically. And I don't know why my body's feeling this, why my mind is out of control, why my heart is out of control, why my emotions are so wrecked, my thoughts are so wrecked. But I knew that God had instigated this. So there was a trust to hold through to let things effervesce. Like at one point when God was really dealing with my body and the trauma in my body versus heart and mind, because we're a person with these three parts and God dealt with those three parts of my personhood separately. The last stage was the body because the body can be the hardest because it can feel like you're having a heart attack, right? Or you can't breathe. And there's all these psychosomatic physiological effects from trauma coming up. And so it took me getting to a healthier place in my mind, heart, before I could go through the body. But the body season started with me waking up in the middle of the night in the middle of a panic attack. Sheer terror, fear. My heart is racing. And this is what the Spirit said to me. Don't run from this. That became the mantra for that season of learning to deal with the trauma in my body. Don't run from this, which was, hold steady. I'm doing something. Just sit with it. A lot of times, the first thing we have to do when it comes to God bringing up these strongholds, footholds, trauma, wounds, is, hey, let's just start to look at them. And we're like, oh, this is killing me. I, I don't know what this is, but it feels terrible in my mind, heart, and body. And I can't look at it. And God's like, whoo, it's okay. Breathe. Let's just look at it. Like maybe we can look at it for five minutes and then a week later, maybe six minutes. And the process of my seven-year desert experience with the Holy Spirit drawing out a lot of woundedness was like that. This feels weird. I don't know what's going on. Disorienting, fearful. Uh, I, I feel like so out of control of my body, so out of control of my mind, so out of control of my heart and emotions. And But going, okay, but... Holy Spirit is moving inside me. I know this is the Holy Spirit somehow doing work, right? Whew, hard, hard work, right? But the path of healing is marked by the path of hurting. Like, we have to go back and say, like, the Spirit began to show, like, when you were 11, you felt this, and you misunderstood it as that. And so there's another life that came in where you thought you misdiagnosed something you were experiencing as fearful or and when you were 14 and when you were 22 and when you were 29 and when you were 32 and when you were 34 and when you were 42 and slowly over time this is how we grow into the sin nature the first beginning step is 
We're, we are created for perfect love when we realize the world is not fitted to give us perfect love. That's the initial wounding. And everything flows from that. Then what are we going to do? We have this ingrained programming that says you should always be loved perfectly. And yet the world is constantly saying nobody's going to love you and we're all trying to get love too. And that's a scarcity mentality. That's very fearful, right? A world where everybody's like, oh crap. No one's going to love me the way I need, but I still need it. Oh crap. And then we're looking at each other going, are you going to love me like I need? Are you going to? And everybody's doing that and we're all, we're all in this what? This isolated stance of going, I got to look out for me. Like, you're not getting loved? Yeah, ditto. Me too. <laughs> That's a different me too movement. But we're all doing that. We're all like, well, if I don't have perfect love and you don't have perfect love, what the crap? Like, I got to get some, at least some imperfect love from somebody. And so it becomes a meritocracy. It becomes a, a metric and a performance. And it's like, well, okay, let's scratch each other's backs here. But that is not love. Love is not love that is earned. It's given freely. And we are rightly programmed for perfect love, but we start out separated. But in a system that is not geared towards perfect love, human system, and we don't yet know how to connect to God because we have been darkened in our spirits. And so we have to go on a journey as children into adulthood with God to come back to God so that God can begin to heal us. And I think this is the basic Christian story, although it doesn't sound like it. God wants to heal you of your wounds. He wants to return you to being a child, a child who knows he's loved perfectly and who knows that the Father is capable of providing everything he needs. And part of that provision is the Holy Spirit, the guide, the teacher, the paraclete, who walks with us on this way back, who brings us out the same way we came in through these markers. And like a lot of my markers were traumatic and I was like some of my questions for the Holy Spirit was like why did you mark me with those traumas along my path and the Spirit was like because I needed you to know this happened here and I needed it to be scarred into your memory so I could show you this is when you adopted that lie because you ran into this issue and you were you were confronted by this darkness and so we marked it together you and me mostly the Holy Spirit but and I was like so every trauma I experienced was the result of a broken world, but you were with me, mark, blazing a trail so I could, I could find the way back out, like breadcrumbs. And the Spirit was like, yes. And so one of the cool side notes of this reality is that the reason God allows evil to remain in the world is because it helps us find our way back out of it. Like, And when I say evil, I don't mean evil people because... Evil is a spiritual reality from a spiritual kingdom, right? And that's one of the questions that I've had for God and talked with God a lot about. It's like, why do you let Satan remain? Why let the kingdom of darkness remain? Why not just eradicate the world of any spiritual evil? And then, wow, then you could just heal everybody. And God was like, how am I supposed to find a tool by which to draw out the dysfunction in you because I can't do that through my spirit because there's no there's nothing in my spirit that can connect to your dysfunction to your fear there's no fear in me how can I draw out your fear I need a tool Paul talks about this tool he says that God gave him a thorn in the flesh a messenger from Satan you know Jesus before he was empowered 
for his ministry. It says that the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by Satan. It's a crazy concept, but not in contemplation. In contemplation, the theology of suffering teaches us that God uses the kingdom of darkness to draw out our internal darkness in order to reveal it and heal it. Like, God cannot reveal our darkness by his spirit because there is nothing in his spirit that can connect to that. We, like the, the Holy Spirit can open the door and allow it to be reveal, exposed, but there has to be a tool that, like a thorn pushing into a wound, that goes, ah, oh, yeah, I feel that, ah, oh, that hurts, please stop pushing. And the Spirit's like, that wasn't me pushing because <coughs> I don't do anything bad. I couldn't. What I've allowed is for you to experience a little bit of the kingdom of darkness to expose that wound that was created by the initial experience of something dark, something errant, <clears throat> wrong. And now that it's got your attention, now you and I can work on it. Whew. That's a little crazy, right? So why did I have all those panic attacks and those mystical experiences that were disorienting? The Spirit was doing work, and the Spirit was allowing me to be aware. Why? So that I could acquiesce, so that I could surrender, right? Like, the biggest problem every human has is they're actually grounded in resistance to God. We're separated from God. We don't know what it's like to partner with God. We don't know what God feels like, and we're grounded in a nature that is hostile to God, as Romans chapter 8 says. So, like, when God comes into us and, and starts to move around through the Spirit, it's going to feel not good. Because we're experiencing a powerful will, way more powerful than ours, going, hey, I would like to do this. And we're like, ah! What was that? Whoa! Whoa! Well, and my will, I would never oppress myself, right? When Scripture says love others as you would have them love you, or love others as you, and love others as you love yourself. Like, you're spirit, your energy comes from your spirit, and in the power of your spirit, you would never cause yourself a panic attack. You actually can't. The power of your spirit isn't capable of, of, of oppressing your body or your mind. Uh, crazy, right? This is another thing the spirit showed me. that Because I was having all these experiences going, what's going on? The spirit's like, okay, I'm moving around. Why does it feel so bad? Because you're resisting me. I think every ex bad experience we have internally is resistance to God. God's pushing a little bit into our isolation, our separation, our self-willed life, our attempt to be our own gods and going, ah, let me, let me take over here. And we're like, ah, ha, 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 I felt terrible. Oh my gosh, felt like a panic attack. It felt like, and God's like, okay, well, look, you're a Christian, right? Yes. Sealed in the spirit, right? Yes. Can anything get in? Shouldn't. So why do I feel something bad? Everything for the Christian is between us and God, individually. That's a hard thing to come to. That's a hard truth to accept. That means, for me, what I've come to realize is every bad experience I've had these last seven years, starting with my three-day panic attack, was the Spirit moving in me to reveal things that weren't right. But it felt bad, mainly because the Spirit was going, let's push into here, and I was like, ah, stop it! What was that? The Spirit's like, woo, that was me, and I'm like, took me a long time. Actually, it took me probably two to three years just to go, oh, I think that's the Holy Spirit doing things. Why did it feel bad? It took me, I was, it was almost at the end of my seven-year desert experience before I realized why it felt bad and that it was me 
resisting the Spirit's work. In a thousand ways, we do not know how to surrender to God's Spirit within us. We are grounded and invested in a system that says, you had better take charge and be in control of your life for your own good or else it won't happen. And that is the child wound. The child wound is, you're not safe. You won't be loved unless you do something about it. And God comes in as an energy of pure love and goes, hey, I'll do it for you. And we're like, no, I can't. No, I, it's like we can't even hardly believe it in a very visceral, real sense. When God says, let me take over, we're like, but I've survived this long by being in control. And God's like, I know. Do you really trust that I'm good and that I can lead you on this journey back through the wounds to heal them? And the truth is, no, we can't. We have to be prompted and pushed and prodded through these experiences of the Holy Spirit in order to start to even begin to surrender. We actually have to be empowered to surrender our will to God's. Like, we can't even do it. But we have to be kind of nudged a little bit to go, oh, there's a wound there. I'm experiencing something. I don't know what's going on. Spirit, what's going on? And there's a journey. There's a walking of, uh, you know, there's a, we have to come to this understanding. It's not easy. If, however, we can come to the simple conclusion that we are sealed in the Spirit and nothing internally happens without the Spirit's desire, then the theology of suffering found in contemplation can bring us to the place to go, ah, okay, what's going on, Holy Spirit? Be my counselor. Be my guide. Be my healer. Be my... You know, be the one who's going to guide me back through these wounds and these strongholds to undo them, to liberate and free me eventually back to the original lie that I believed. Whew, that's the way back. I know that now only because I've experienced it. I also know that I had to learn this from scratch. Mostly, I had scripture, I had the Holy Spirit, I had contemplative authors People like Watchman Nee, people like Thomas Burton, people like Henry Nguyen, people like Richard Rohr saying, yeah, this is what it's like. Other mystics like Teresa of Avil and, you know, John, St. John of the Cross and other mystics who had gone through these dire experiences. And though the experiences themselves were wildly different, they all produced the same thing. The death of the self-willed life, a surrender to God, which allowed them to heal and break open into a freedom which really comes from being surrendered fully or more fully to God. When it comes to inner sensitivity, what that means is the Spirit's guiding us and showing us things about our world. First, The first part is the way back, is the Spirit wants to guide us in our healing journey. So we learn sensitivity through that journey, but what we also learn is that we can turn that gift around and begin to sense the woundedness in others and participate with the Holy Spirit and the wounds of others and the healing process of others. And then it doesn't have to be us alone learning it from scratch, but we can go, oh yeah, I've been through this. Oh, you're feeling that? Okay, this is what's going on. Let's walk together. Now that my spiritual sensitivity has been turned outward instead of inward, I'm starting to go, hey, I think your daughter has spiritual sensitivity and she's struggling with anxiety and she doesn't understand what's going on. But I was with a friend this weekend and I was helping him, his daughter, uh, younger, preteen, 
struggles with these things. And we were talking about deliverance, which is a big hot topic now, but this is what we talked about. And I said, just like encourage her. God's with her. Tell her to pray. God is able to empower her with comfort and strength and guide and give wisdom and like be aware. And when the opportunity arises, like, hey, why do you feel oversensitized, overwhelmed in these environments? You know, like, then you can have the conversation. Or when she comes and says, Dad, I, why do I feel so much all the time? Or in this, and you can go, oh, I think you have a spiritual sensitivity and you don't have no idea what it is or what to do with it. But let's actually just start to pray. Are you saved? Do you have the Spirit who has sealed you first? And secondly, if you do, have you learned to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians? Our way back out of the dysfunction, the strongholds, the footholds, the wounds is the Holy Spirit moving inside of us. It cannot be through programmed, formulaic kinds of therapy, although that can be helpful. But you're a unique person with unique wounds, with a unique child wound, with unique strongholds, unique footholds, unique wounds. Only the Spirit can guide you all the way back out because the way out is the way in. <laughs> Woo! I had a lot more material to go over, but um, this is going to carry over into next week, which is fine. Um, so, that's a basic and a crazy idea, right? Ooh, God's given us the Holy Spirit to walk with us to find healing in our personhood. To kind of take us apart put us back together correctly. To, to delve into the strongholds, the wounds, the lies. To like bring healing in our person, in our heart, mind, body, soul, spirit. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the gospel. Well, that doesn't sound like the gospel. Yeah, well, <laughs> what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? Which is actually in Joel, which is the prophet I was going to get to. But we'll get there next week. Well, next week we'll talk about a little more how to turn this gift around once we are starting to go through the healing process to walk with others in that healing process and how our spiritual sensitivity is really meant for that. Like, you know, it's really good that the church does does a lot of good and meets a lot of needs in the world, most of them physical. When it comes to spiritual needs, we just think, well, we have this fear of death, but Jesus has resolved that. Yay, that's fine. Yes, but there's a real practical present sense of that fear in us, right? God wants to begin to heal us now. And I, th- I believe God can take us all the way through that journey to healing, to become like a little child again. Man, whether you recognize it or not, that's what we want. We just want to be kids and we want to be taken care of. And we want to know that we have a good, perfect, heavenly father that loves us perfectly, that can provide, watch over, protect give us wisdom and and purpose and meaning and like deep in our heart of hearts we want to know we are loved and loved perfectly we do not settle for imperfect love we are not created for imperfect love it does not make sense to us this world this broken world of imperfect love does not make sense it is what we feel when we feel fear when we fear death all of that is to say I should be perfectly loved and 
I'm not and I can't accept it. And we feel that very viscerally, mentally, emotionally. Because we're fitted for perfect love. And we can find it again. And I believe that. And the Holy Spirit has taken me on this journey back into that perfect love. Not perfectly yet. I don't think we become that obviously in this life but but god's healed me of my wounds and now he's teaching me how to live in this new nature and this new nature basically is hey i'm loved and i don't have to be afraid i don't have to fear death i don't have to fear that something will come along that's too overwhelming too much too big for me to handle because god is with me and the spirit empowers me and i actually feel that power now in my heart mind and body more clearly and so not only can i confront the darkness in me and know that it's not going to do anything I can also confront the darkness in the world around me and that's what we'll talk about next week (laughs) hey guys this has been a construction monk podcast I'm your host Jay Randall Stewart I appreciate you guys listening I hope this sets forth at least a basic outline of why people are becoming more sensitive why it's there, what, what to do with it, and how God can use that to bring healing for you and others. All right. Love you guys. Bye.